0: I want to tell you about a new show we think you should check out from our friends at Wonder Media Network, Winning Wisconsin. In 2016, one state was singled out as having pushed Trump over the electoral finish line, Wisconsin. Taken for granted until the last possible moment, Wisconsin wasn't on the radars of most political analysts until the 11th hour and then seemed to disappear from the headlines just as fast. But as host Grace Lynch, who also happens to produce Majority 54, puts it, Wisconsin is in many ways a microcosm of America's current trends and tensions. Winning Wisconsin is the story of how one state's fight for its own political identity changed the country, and how four years later it might be poised to do so again. You can listen to Winning Wisconsin wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also drop the first episode of the show on this feed over the weekend. I'm Jason Kander, and this is Majority 54, the podcast that helps the 54% of us who did not vote for Donald Trump talk to those who did about the most divisive issues in our country. We're going to talk about the debate that for us just happened. Ravi, you want to tell people about our special guest co-host?
2: Really excited about our guest co-host for today. It's our friend Jenny Kaplan, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wonder Media, which is the network that. Uh, produces majority fifty four and a bunch of other awesome podcasts. Uh, Jenny is also the host of Women Belong in the House, an awesome podcast on the Wonder Media Network. Jenny, welcome to the podcast.
1: Wow, thank you so much. I'm very very excited. I'm a obviously a big fan.
2: Well, Jenny, I, Jenny, I'm glad we all had our athletic greens because uh, it's been a long day. Uh, well done. <laughs> I'm going to get a gold star from your ad well I think done. no one loves
1: athletic greens a- as much as you do, Robbie. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, the problem is on on these debate nights, I, I get athletic greens and then I drink a lot because it's hard to sit through these things. <laughs> but I would say I drink a lot less during this one than the last one. And on that note, let's just start with some high-level thoughts uh, about this debate. So what do you think? Like, what, What's going to matter coming out of this debate?
0: The silence you're hearing, Ginny, is two dudes understanding that we just had a debate with the first, you know, woman, uh, you know, of color running mate on the ticket, and perhaps we should let you have the we first should, should reaction. We interrupt her,
2: should we interrupt
1: her incessantly <laughs> but,
2: and yeah. then take away her time? Thank Jenny, you. That would that feel appropriate? really
1: appropriate tonight. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that you will just automatically have more time with no consideration of what that means <laughs> throughout this episode. Um, I think like broadly, number one, I think it has to just be said that this was at least like... A debate, which shouldn't be something that needs to be said, but compared to last week, that felt pretty notable that there was a debate where people talked about ideas for at least long enough to know what they were talking about. I could not help but basically be thinking about gender and sexism for most of the debate. I think that in the, I felt Kamala did an incredible job of doing all of the things that women running for executive office need to do really well. I thought she came off as incredibly likable, which I wish didn't matter, but does really matter still for women running for office. I thought that she avoided any chance of people saying that she was angry, which was something that I know was uh, a real risk and could have put her back, uh, set her back. And I think that she, did a really, really good job of running on her credentials, which is another thing that in my reporting for Women Belong in the House and also I think just as we all know generally, there are specific things that women who are running for elected office and specifically for executive office really have to do well. And I think that Kamala did a really good job of keeping her cool, sticking to the issues, and doing a good job doing those specific gendered sort of requirements really well.
0: Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I, I, it makes me think about this book that uh, that Diana and I have read that we really like that I would recommend to everybody uh, on these topics. Uh, it's called "Compelling People" and it's by a guy named John Neffinger. Uh, and what it does is it just breaks down the science of how you know gender, color, all these things really do dictate the way people are perceived in in a scientific way. And and it talks about you know warmth and strength and how. You know, male candidates for office, for instance, uh, they don't really have to be that warm. It's like a bonus if they can come across warm. But you know, if they're strong, then they got a chance. Whereas for women, it's if you don't first establish warmth, you have no shot. But then, if you don't also establish strength, then you're discredited as not strong enough. It's 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 so much more difficult. Um, which. I'm now mansplaining to Jenny, which makes no (laughs) sense. No, no. But uh, I'm mansplaining to the audience at large. Uh, But but look, my 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 like over the overall impressions of this were a couple of things. One, uh, I felt like Pence was giving a series of short stump speeches and clearly, you know, rehearsed and memorized little vignettes. And to some degree, so were both candidates. But what it came across as is that he was giving a series of little speeches and she was sitting next to you on your couch, uh, in your living room and saying like, okay, here's what this is about. And, and I thought that was incredibly effective. Um, I, I know we're not best friends, but I know Kamala decently well, well enough to feel like in the first five minutes, uh, I, you know, I turned to Diana and I was like, she's nervous. And she was like, yeah. And I said, but she's handling it really well. And five minutes in something changed and i could just tell she started having a good time and and as she started having a good time she became like we talked about in the last debate episode an avatar for the audience she was not guarded about her expressions when he was talking she was reacting for us and you know and i could keep going about this but i won't i just think she was incredibly effective at just being like hey look you know that that doesn't make any sense right like we've all actually experienced the last few months and i thought that was great
2: yeah I, I've forgotten who Mike Pence was until this debate. It's been a while before you got a decent amount of time with him. And you forget that Donald Trump went to the, the Coke factory and got a generic Republican. And he just really plays the part. I think he's, he is very good at being generic R. Uh, and I think it's instructive for a lot of people out there. I, I, I agree with Mike Murphy, who said that Nothing Changes magazine got his cover story today. I don't think anything changed in this election tonight. Uh, But what we saw from Mike Pence was, you know, Baghdad Bob, Ari Fleischner, Elizabeth Holmes, whoever you want. Like, you had a slick salesperson for a completely fraudulent set of ideas and a fraudulent person. And so it's not going to make a difference. Uh, But you have a guy who's super disciplined, has a really flawed way of thinking about the world, uh, wasn't completely held accountable for that view, but didn't really have to be. Uh, And. I was left thinking to myself. He kept repeating this phrase: "The American people. The American people think this. The American people think that." What I would have loved to see uh, is just comment to interject just once and just be like, "You're talking about your supporters. Like your administration thinks about your supporters and your supporters only. Like you denigrate forty percent of the Americans. You've completely disregarded another twenty percent, and you've really been only serving forty percent." But I understand what they're doing. What Kamala and what Joe Biden did tonight, what Joe Biden did the other night last week, is they're kind of in a prevent defense. It feels to me. I know they would disagree with the characterization, but it feels to me like they're not. Uh, they're not going for the end zone in these debates because they know they don't need them. I understand it, but as somebody who just is listening to complete bullshit all the time in these debates, it can get frustrating at times. But I think we came away with a night that was successful. I think Kamala handled herself well and i don't think this changes anything one way or the other i think trump is still heading for a disaster in november
1: i think there was much more to risk with going on the offensive than there was to gain specifically for kamala i think that she she definitely gave strong answers in terms of like the policies that they're actually proposing and and came pretty strong in terms of attacking what trump and pence have done wrong But I think that had she been more aggressive, she would have been faulted for those same things I was talking about, how she didn't get faulted for. Like it would have it could have come off as less likable and more angry and more irrational, um, which isn't right, but is a real risk to do that kind of thing. Otherwise, I think she would be sort of hurting all of the things that she was doing, all of the efforts she was making to be likable and be very human-seeming and instead would fall into the traps that so often are set for women specifically who are running for office.
0: So something I don't say on this podcast very often is both of you said something I totally disagree with. So let me me explain. Uh, One, I do think one thing changed, but not for this election, and that is that I think a lot of people who were not previously very familiar with Kamala Harris are like, she's going to be president one day and I am fine with that. I I think that she was very impressive and a lot of people probably discovered her uh, tonight in a way that they hadn't in the past. And I think that that's just to be noted, to be put a pin in for the future. Uh, And then the second thing is, I actually think she went on the offense. And the reason I I think it feels like she didn't um, is because we have become so coarsened with the idea that over the last few years that going on the offense means being obscene. It means being provocative. But no, going on the offense means prosecuting a case. And she was, in my mind, the well-trained and, and very experienced courtroom prosecutor tonight. And, and the other reason I think that it was the offense is that we have forgotten, now that the facts are so lopsided in our favor in, in this election in a way that they maybe haven't ever been in our lifetimes, that simply explaining what has been going on is a is an absolute evisceration of this administration. What struck me about this debate was that when you remove the filters of partisan media that, you know, that they use for everything, boy reality just kicks them in the teeth and and so what i saw her doing was something that we would not have imagined a a candidate particularly a vice presidential candidate doing four eight any amount of years ago which is she did not triangulate one single time this the if you look at at, at this debate it could have been in my opinion it could have been scripted by Aaron Sorkin. Like this was an argument for liberalism. Yeah, she, you know, said, well, he has said he's not going to get rid of fracking, right? Well, that's what he said. That's a fact. But everything else, I mean, she was talking to the left without alienating the left because what she was doing was she was not assuming that people uh know the shorthand, right? Like she didn't bring up Uh, you know, both sides and just call it, you know, he said there were very fine people on both sides. She took the minute and a half to to make sure you remembered the whole thing, right? She said, let me tell you what a bounty is. So what she did was she came out and she made an aggressive, in my opinion, and proud liberal case, but she just did it in a way that didn't Uh, Alienate anybody? In fact, made a liberal argument accessible for people who don't currently see themselves as liberals. I thought that was really cool.
2: Well, it that's a good transition to this point we made last week, which is you know Ron Klein, who's been running debate prep for Democrats for a long time, and who's been running Biden's debate prep, has this point that the debate you win the debate in the first thirty minutes, and so let's talk about the first thirty minutes. Uh, I had a couple quick observations. One was. The that this question of the pandemic and coronavirus was obviously central in the beginning of this debate. And there are a few things that were notable. Number one is that it's very clear that Harris and the Biden campaign generally do not want to criticize the president directly about his conduct during this period of time. I think that's smart. I don't think they need to. I think the American people have made up their minds about that. Uh, I think the numbers, both common sense and the numbers in the polls, uh, indicate that that is uh, something that you the, the Biden and Harris don't need to touch. So I think that's smart, but I'd be interested in your opinions on that. Second point was, it, it's very noticeable that for some reason, the Biden-Harris campaign thinks that the, the most important point about the pandemic uh, is that Trump knew early what was going on and didn't do enough uh there's a corollary point about the ACA which I think was really smart I would say I was a little puzzled by the repeat going back to Trump knew everything I know about both the polling and just people I talked to is that that's a little bit harder to land than some of the things that came after the he knew argument I thought the ACA stuff whenever she was on that was way more persuasive but uh I'd be interested in your opinions on that because I was a little, that was where I was furrowing my brow. I was like, "Oh, smart that they're not going after the president because you don't want to go after anybody who's sick, even if he's acting like an ass." But a little bit puzzled by the decision to keep coming back to the he knew point. It may maybe makes sense to make once, but multiple times. I I, I was a little curious about that.
1: I just I think that first of all, one thing that really stuck out to me was Jason. To your point a minute ago, the facts are so striking that. I almost felt like the debate was won by Kamala just through the questions themselves, like just through the fact-based questions, because it was like, the first few questions that Pence had to answer, it was just like, how could you possibly have an answer for that? Like, there is nothing that you could say that looks good. And his attempt was to say like, well, was to sort of put it back and say that Biden and Harris weren't taking it seriously, didn't want to stop flights or whatever. That, to me, is why the argument of like, well, Trump knew about this and didn't do anything. That was, to me, maybe like a response to the to any sort of uh, criticism of how. The Biden-Harris team were handling things very, very early on. I, I don't know that it's that effective, but to me, it almost didn't matter because I didn't really even think the the answers mattered at all, other than the fact that like we had to sit and listen to anyone talk about the question at hand.
0: So I think it was really important, actually, because it was a precursor to a uh, to a second point, which I think is really important. Uh, and that second point was they don't trust you, and you could have done things with this information. And the reason that was actually my favorite part of the debate because it was where she personalized it, which we always talk about, I think is the most effective thing. She personalized it in a way that demonstrated that she's among the rest of us. This was part, this is the first part where I was like, oh, she's sitting on the couch with us. And she's like, this dude doesn't get it, does he? We know what we all been going through. When she was like, and it was when she said, what would you have done differently if you had had that information, right? She said, what if you had known that when everybody else was going and getting the toilet paper? What if you had known that? That stuff showed, like, we get what's going on. They're living in an alternative universe, and we are living in this reality. And And I thought that was important. And I also think that it, it it goes to the larger character weakness that actually does land on Trump, because most of the character arguments are just baked in. People are like, yeah, he's not a good dude. I wouldn't let him house sit my for me. I wouldn't let him, like, you know, watch my kids for even a minute. But, uh, you know, I like his judges or whatever it is. Those people are still susceptible, or at least some of them, to the he doesn't tell the truth, and that can be dangerous. And and I just think that this was a very effective way to get there.
2: Yeah, um, and I think I, I think one one thing I'm struggling with at the beginning of this debate was that I hear you on that. I think there are certain themes that I think you'd have to do the work. And I think Biden suffered from this too last week. Although I think Trump's conduct was so more forceful and sloppy than Pence, even though Jenny, I completely agree with you that like it's obvious to anybody that Pence, you know, who has uh, has spoken about his discomfort of being alone with women. It's very clear that that is a real thing Uh, that, He did a really good job in a world where this was closer, of just appearing to be competent. Like he just he he would rattle off facts. He'd have an explanation for everything, even if it was bullshit. Whereas what I want to see from Biden next week that we I don't think we've seen yet is more pulling out the themes. I think Biden benefited from Trump's just asinine behavior, and 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 Kamala I think is going to benefit from. The sexism of Pence and and the expectations uh, set in this debate. But there weren't enough points where she stepped away and said, like, where she just, she connected the dots to say, all right, the American people are exhausted by how much this guy is just the chaos within this White House and how they can't make up their minds about basic things like masks, or they can't uh, or we keep talking about the American people, but he keeps attacking the American people whenever they disagree with him. I just felt like there are a couple of key themes here that um, when we talk about this, the last two-thirds of the debate, I think she was excellent in the last two-thirds of the debate uh, on these issues. I think it was a little too in the weeds for me in the first third in a way that really benefits a guy like Pence, who's just really good at spinning bullshit um, and defending the indefensible. Um but I don't know. I feel like I might be in the minority on this, so I'd love to hear from you two on this.
1: I, I have to say that I disagree. <laughs> I thought that she came out and that point you were, that moment that you were talking about before Jason, where she talked about like how calm were you when everyone was running out of toilet paper? How calm were you when you were figuring out, figuring out what to do with your kids who were out of school? All that stuff. I th- At that same moment, I was like, oh, wow, she gets it. And she's talking directly to the American people. And to me, she didn't have to finish the argument because we know, like you don't have to, the American people are smart enough to be there with her. And she was, she kept talking directly to the audience, directly to the camera, whereas he was talking directly to the moderator and even saying Susan throughout the time, which was I thought was very weird. I just felt like she came out and immediately asserted that she was credible. She had a plan and she actually understands like what you as Americans are going through. And so for me, I didn't, it was like beneath what she needed to do in some ways for her to call out that stuff, in my opinion, because she was doing that by just like talking about what what needed to be done instead or what should have happened instead. And really, you know, seeing eye to eye with what Americans have had to deal with.
0: Yeah. She was talking to everybody. While making the left's argument because she's part of the left, and he was pulling out a reference to plagiarism in the first ten minutes. I mean, it's yeah. the deep cut of all deep cuts. I mean, like that was a what really that?
2: bad moment. I think it was that, weird, right? Yeah. Like
0: nobody, nobody got that, right? Like we got it because, like, we're nerds. But you know, because that's what a reference to I think some speech Biden gave in '88. Like you got it. Do you know how sure you are that you're a Trump voter if you? If you got that and and thought it was a good line, like who was that even for, right? I yeah. mean, this is for like operatives totally. on the right, and, yeah. and whereas she's going like she's talking about toilet paper and hand sanitizer and and your kids in school, and so I just thought that, and, and you know, keeping with the theme of our show, I feel like just like we took some some um, cues from Biden in the last debate, I think there's a real cue to take from her in this debate, which is forget all that crap forget all the back and forth forget all the the process of who said that you know all that now she's going hey like objectively this ain't working yeah in fact she even said he was like it's your plan and she's like well clearly it ain't working (laughs) you know like i i just thought that that was very effective and that's that's how people listening to this should approach it
1: i thought that the sort of parallel moment for the uh plagiarism thing which was very much like I felt like I should like check a box because I got that reference right. I was yeah, like cool on right. in I'm sure he made his boss happy um, about
2: that yeah
0: exactly yeah, that's for that sure. was audience but when
1: one. when she said when I first heard that Trump only played $750 and I was like was that actually se-? I thought 750,000 just like the way that she said that was so natural and so colloquial that it was sort of the opposite. It was like everyone could understand that feeling. And it it really brought that comment to a different level, made it feel less like an attack and more like just a person on your couch actually making that observation. Felt to me like the exact foil to Pence's plagiarism moment.
0: It was, it was a natural human response, as was not uh, dodging the references to Kayla Mueller and her family, but instead to look right at them and say, that should never happen again. I feel terrible about it. Joe feels, t- I mean, there are not a lot of politicians, frankly, who would have done that. But it was the right thing to do as a person. And it was the right thing to do politically as a result, because it was natural. She was present and she was in the moment. And it's a good cue for all of us that like, you don't have to defend indefensible things that happen. You don't have to litigate every point. Sometimes you say, you know what, that is a horrible thing. And 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 it, and the implication of her doing that is like, okay, they're going to make that political. I'm not going to make that political. I'm just going to say that that's a horrible thing that happened. And, and so all of that was effective, in my opinion.
2: When Jason and I started this podcast, we just made a list of products that we really liked, that we'd love to partner with and number one on my list was athletic greens which is something i've been using for many years now it's something that i wake up every single day it's the first thing i do is i take athletic greens and so if you're looking for just one product that has as much high quality nutrients in it as possible consider athletic greens because it has as many as 75 vitamins minerals and whole food source ingredients and you'd be hard pressed to find a more nutrient-dense formula on the market and all in one easy powder
0: yeah, I'm completely hooked on it now to the point where I you know, I used to take a multivitamin, like a pretty expensive multivitamin. And now, because they say this is the multivitamin that goes the extra mile, this has completely replaced it.
2: And right now, Athletic Greens is giving our audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free liquid vitamin D supplement with your first purchase for additional immune support.
0: So if you're looking to upgrade your multivitamin or take one nutritional formula that's going to help cover your daily nutritional basis, then you want to consider Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens makes getting as much high-quality nutrition as possible incredibly easy without the need to buy multiple products. Make an investment in your health today and try the ultimate all-in-one wellness bundle and support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com majority. You'll receive up to a year's supply of liquid vitamin D for free with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com majority. If you are impacted by weakened or thinning hair, know that you're not alone and there's a solution that can help. Nutrafol. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism.
2: Nutrafol is physician formulated to be 100% drug free. They use medical grade botanicals and consistently effective dosages. So you get the most reliable results. In fact, In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors also recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. So when you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose.
0: You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com, taking their hair wellness quiz for personalized recommendations and using promo code M54. New customers will get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere. You'll also receive free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code M54.
2: My sense was, just like Biden, I think, heated up last time. I think Harris heated up a lot towards the latter part of this debate. And I agree, Jason, with your point that that, that the question about ISIS uh, was, I think, the best part of this debate. And and it was an area where I think Harris went on the offensive. And, and Jenny, I hope it's an area where she doesn't get penalized for it. I, I think she was very effective and... Uh, and it was an area that was, that was fraught with real danger because you had audience members that Pence brought who lost their daughter, you know, to this. Uh, and, and Pence really tried to politicize it. And, and Jason, I agree that she she handled it well and then immediately started talking about the president's record when it comes to our service members. Um, and this matters. Like every day I go to this Italian cafe in uh, my neighborhood and the people there are Trump supporters And just this morning, I overheard them talking about this issue of the military, and they were complaining about Trump and the way he talks about the military. Uh, And I found that interesting because this is clearly breaking through. People are seeing him for who he is on this issue. And I think the more you bring it up as, as a character issue, which is what I want to hear more and more of in these debates, which is every policy issue should be a character issue. I think sometimes we're landing these punches, sometimes we're not, but we should always make it about character because I think it's the biggest vulnerability of this administration.
0: I think she also used it as a very good opportunity to build up what people didn't expect from her, which is her uh, credentials on national security. I thought, you know, which, which as Susan Page pointed out rightfully, when you have two older uh, candidates for president, the credentials of the vice president matter a great deal more. And, And I thought she did that really well. I mean, I, Personally, for me, like I helped her with her uh, veterans and national security policy during the primary, and I remember talking to her about it, and I, and I remember talking to her on the phone right after she got back from Afghanistan and being really impressed with her approach to it, which was not like somebody who needed to pretend that they had been around this forever, but was just continually, genuinely curious, like she is about most things. And I think she—I think that came out in that part, right? It wasn't just listing committee assignments, right? It was she got into the weeds on it, and I thought that was really important. But, you know, another part of this that I think is important is that she, at the same time, she did not surrender the liberal flag on any of that, uh, and, nor did she on anything else. Like, this is a debate. I know to go back to an earlier point I made, I guess, but, like, this is a debate where the nominee of our par- party proudly said I was out in the street protesting. Like a black woman said, "Yeah, I was out in the street a few weeks ago protesting racial injustice." And 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 I think it's important to note and that was a point in her favor in the debate. That is how things have changed and that's really remarkable.
2: And Pence didn't go for the suburban red meat. I was I was a little surprised by that
0: he was rightfully scared of, I think, of of provoking her ire on that because she would have kicked his ass. And Jenny, it flies don't you think? so
2: much in the face of their strategy, yeah.
1: I sort of, I mean, one of the things I thought was remarkable actually was just the number of topics that were covered. Like the number, given that the questions didn't necessarily lend themselves to that many different topics, like I feel like we covered, we covered, climate change, sort of. We talked about abortion, sort of. We talked about foreign policy, sort of. Like, a lot of parts of conversations, but especially compared to last week, like, there was a lot of ground that was covered. I think that the, if anything, I think the big takeaway from this is that I imagine that the gender gap is going to continue to grow. I certainly don't think that Pence won a lot of women over, I would guess. Also, I mean, I could be totally off. And maybe that was very appealing, but from what I saw and from what my Twitter sphere, which again could be totally off seemed to indicate is that if anything, it's just people are entrenched by that performance and feel like it did not help Pence's cause. And so I think appealing to suburban voters in that moment probably didn't help. Uh, there was that one weird moment where, uh, they were talking about the Supreme court and Pence referred to the nominee having a, a sizable American family. That,
0: so that was another one where <laughs> you had that. to already. That. So that was that. that was a reference to a, an argument that they've made that most people won't get. It's another mistake, I think. So that that's their defense to Roe v. Wade is, uh, and to all the stuff about, um, you know, like kids in cages and all that is, well, this is a woman who has a lot of kids. This is a, you know, so it's their signal. It's like a dog whistle to the anti-choice world. Like, oh, she has a lot of kids and it, you know, but they, but he didn't explain what he was talking about. It, It was just useless. It was shorthand that nobody got.
1: I don't think it would have helped if he did no. explain. Like, I I think I got the point, but still I was just like, sir, truly, what are you doing here? Why do you think this is helpful? Well, he wasn't talking and to then, you, though.
0: That's for sure, right? He I was, mean, for
1: sure not. He was He was
0: talking <laughs> to people clear. who think, like, women's virtue is defined by how many children they have raised.
1: But I think the thing that he missed there, it, or the, the line that the reason why I agree with you that I think it was a mistake is that he didn't just come out guns blazing talking about how he's going to get rid of abortion, which is sort of what I think a lot of us thought he would, considering how much of his career he has spent trying to reverse Roe v. Wade. But instead, he, gave, he went back to foreign policy for a while and then sort of got into Supreme Court and used this vague reference to her sizable family. It, and so he clearly knew that, like, talking about reversing abortion and reproductive rights is not popular with the suburban women, mm-hmm. with Good women point. generally, and also with most of Americans. So he knew that, but then still used this weird reference. I guess maybe it's a ra- like a rallying cry for his supporters, but it made no sense to well, me. Well, remember, that the that that
0: direct was- question that he was asked was, yeah, it was, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, which... So, you know, what should be the penalties? What And so I think in his mind, it was do everything you possibly can to make people forget what this question was. Yeah. Uh.
2: I, I think it's really important for people to study what Pence did tonight, because I don't think it's going to matter in this election. But on that answer, I thought it was instructive. Number one, I mean, I think neither candidate really answered the questions that came to them. Uh, and I think it, I was just waiting for somebody to do what Pence eventually did, which was to demand an answer. Um, and I, I think we could talk about all the reasons why people didn't do that. But in the previous vice presidential debates, if you go to them, uh, there is a lot more back and forth, like direct question asking from one person to the other. And I think that's a really effective tool that I was surprised wasn't used tonight. But Pence was asked a question directly about what he would do in Indiana if he were governor didn't answer it. And he did. You should listen to this answer, because if you're a candidate out there or helping candidates, because what he did is something that you're going to see all around the country. We've been seeing for a long time. He first uh, retreated to generalities. So he talked about life and the importance of life, which who's not who's not for life, right? So that's what they like to do. Then he immediately went to the most extreme position that was not held by his opponent and got them to explain it and uh, completely ducked the extremities of his own opinions and basically got away with it. What I was waiting for there and what we've got to do better as Democrats is to be like, Mike Pence, you were a governor of Indiana. You were a talk radio host. You said X uh, and you said Y. Can you explain that? Um, And like he just never had to answer for some of this stuff. I felt like Harris was constantly having to defend her record, uh, constantly going to her record. And Pence has a really scary effed up record um, that he should have to defend too.
0: Well, yeah, I would encourage people, if they're interested, uh, I mean, I think you will find it interesting, Google Mike Pence talk radio, because he had this whole period where he was a talk radio guy in Indiana. And if you watch it, like it does not in any way resemble the mannerisms or just the personality of the Mike Pence that we know now, because the Mike Pence that we all know is just that guy doing a really really bad Ronald Reagan impression and I think it must be exhausting to do all the time because he's just he was just a shock jock you know talk radio guy saying really provocative things with all and very gregarious uh but that said there are two things that I thought uh, we should give I don't want to say give credit but we should be aware of that I thought were very effective that he did first and you referenced this uh I thought that while it was, framed in a way that was totally disingenuous, the way they made the argument about ISIS uh, and their progress against it, I thought was, if you don't know the facts, a very, very effective approach. Uh, And then second, the total BS revisionist history that they did on swine flu um, was, you know, and and I think this was a a point where, Jenny, you're right, that she wasn't going on the offense because she let that pitch go by. And I think thinking like, People people get that, right? But I thought if they were allowed to continue that uh, and to continue to make that argument, I do think it would be effective because he just made it seem like, thank God the Obama administration wasn't in charge because swine flu, I mean, it could have killed all of us if it were worse. I mean, it was a very effective bullshit framing on his part.
1: I, th- I really disagree with the swine... I agree with the ISIS point, but the swine flu point, I feel like people... It's too recent. It's too recent of history. Like, we were all living through swine flu and know that it wasn't the same. So, to me, I was sort of like, why are you doing this again, trying to make this swine flu comparison happen? It doesn't seem to be working.
0: I think because they're so screwed on this issue. Like, so that's my, so like, let's, let's, very effective, adjusted to reality, right? Like, cause I agree with you. Like, we all know reality, which is why she let the pitch go by because, like, it's ridiculous. But, at the same time, if they were able to repeat that ad nauseum for the next three weeks, I do think it could potentially be effective because people would forget.
1: Totally. I actually thought that the more effective part of that, of the pandemic argument, was when he said that basically their plan for how they would react is exactly the same as how Trump and Pence yeah. have reacted. Yeah, That to me was like, was a huge moment. And I felt like, Harris didn't really respond with enough strength, in my opinion, or like clarity to that, because all of a sudden, I felt like that point would really land. And it was a moment where that was a big opportunity to differentiate that was just missed.
0: Yeah, smart of him, right? I was just going to say smart of him, because if there are people out there, if there are voters that they're losing, who they would otherwise get because of their handling of the pandemic, they're giving those people a license to stay Republican.
2: Yeah. And so- I think it's a good opportunity for closing thoughts here, and I'll give two based on, on what you said. One is that's where it gets back to this character point for me. One pitch that we let go by was the super spreader event question. The reason why I think we need to talk about the super spreader event and masks a little bit more than we did uh, is not because we want to kick a guy you know, when he's down and he's sick, but because it reveals the character of the president. And I think the masks issue, I think, is revealing of who he is. And so I want to see a little bit more connection from this campaign. And it's not specific to this debate tonight, but just more about the character of the president and why that matters. Uh, And I think the second big takeaway I have is that um, this point that, you know, everything we just said, which is like, we can award as many style points as we want to Pence in terms of like what he did or he didn't. And certainly dock him for like, what was some overbearing behavior that hopefully is going to be costly for him. But I'm going to go back to the analogy I made at the beginning. He is Baghdad Bob. Like he can say all the right things, but he's spinning the greatest bullshit of all time. And that's what gets to the swine flu thing. Like he's, he's grasping for the best argument possible, but he's, he's Elizabeth Holmes with the FDA guy, people uh, touring the medical facility and just coming up with every possible piece of bullshit he can. uh, And he's really good at it. Uh, But it ain't going to do the job here uh, because what he's selling is so fraudulent. It's just not going to make a difference. That's my big takeaway. Yeah, uh, Yeah, it's Trump fan fiction. It's Trump
0: fan fiction. That's what he's... He's just like, I would... By the way, I would love to meet the Donald Trump that Mike Pence knows. I mean, that guy sounds almost bearable. Yeah. I mean, he he cherishes the American people. Yeah. i heard a lot
2: about the American people today.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Ginny.
1: My closing thoughts are that I... I was really wowed by everything that Kamala did. I think that she was warm. I think there's lots of research that shows how important it is for women candidates specifically to talk about their credentials and record. I think she did everything spot on. And I think there were some very serious gaffes that she helped to push forward on Pence's behalf. She, it was very clear that the Trump campaign doesn't believe in science. Once again, they refused Pence refused to to talk about systemic racism. He said that systemic racism doesn't exist. He said that Trump couldn't be anti-Semitic because he has Jewish grandchildren. He was like sexist, and all of it came to the forefront in a way that she still kept her composure. So I thought that in a lot of ways that was a win. and like in the idea of if this were a scripted debate, I really feel like they touched on a lot of the key, touch points. On the other hand, my big question, and I don't know how I'm going to get a real answer to this, is I felt myself really zoning out during a lot of Pence's answers as the bullshit increased in mass. But I imagine that the other side probably ate it up. And so I don't know how much of this was like, once again, I don't know that it's going to make that big of a difference or whether we're just going to continue tomorrow for the results to feel like they are exactly the same as they were this morning. If, if the teams are still saying staying the same and any of those voters who were undecided are going to be any different.
0: Well, I think that would be a big victory for us, right? And uh, I guess for me, the final thought would be, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of end it in a way where I ended it last time we had a debate episode, which was, I was really excited for the last debate to show clips to my son in the morning. And and be like, hey, okay, now which one of these people do you agree with, right? And then I ended up unable to do that and just showed true, just just picked a clip and was like, what do we think of the way the president behaved? And he and he was like, it seems like I'm older than him. So like that was a lesson that he got out of it. But I will give the you know I will give Pence credit, I guess, for the fact that tomorrow I think I'll actually be able to show true a couple of clips and be like, what do you think of the things they were talking about? That's a good thing. But the other thing is. I think just specifically Mike Pence for a minute like forget the Trump administration. I had this really interesting conversation with true at bedtime tonight before the debate because he knew I was going to watch it where we were talking about Mike Pence and he was asking me, but why would he be Trump's vice president and he was like, is he a bully because that's how true refers to to Donald Trump and we had this really interesting conversation about how you know sometimes people aren't bullies, but they are friends with bullies, and they never turn <laughs> yeah. to bullies and say, "Hey, that's not cool," or they keep yeah. helping the bully. And and true is like that seems just as bad. Yeah, he's and so ben I just friend, yeah, yeah. So I just think like, look, in the long run, if we win this election, Mike Pence is is a, a footnote in history and not a favorable one. But I do think it's just a reminder that we have to make sure that everybody that people can't treat, once we win this, people cannot treat the Trump administration the way they treat the Iraq war, which is everybody was against it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, that ain't going to fly. We're not going to yeah. let people get that stink off of them. So. Uh, wow.
1: True is so wise. Yeah. yeah he he
0: didn't say all that. I mean, hey, I'm yeah. paraphrasing.
2: <laughs> One thing I didn't say is, is uh, l- glad to have you back, buddy. Uh, oh yeah. Thanks. Um, and Jenny, thank you for jumping on. And We would love to have you on more, and thank you for all the support that Wonder Media Network gives us. Uh, Absolutely. One one thing uh, I'll be remiss if I didn't say is, please get a grab an or shirt from Bonfire, uh, and you know you should wear it when you're out there, either canvassing if uh, if you feel that's the right thing to do, or making phone calls on your porch. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to win this election if we all do our part. I'm absolutely confident in that. But the most important part of that sentence is the, the last part, the, if we all do our part. And so just get out there and find any campaign that you believe in and do everything possible between now and the election to help them um, because the stakes couldn't be any higher.
0: With that, let's uh, tell people where they can find Jenny on social media. Uh, it's, I know Twitter is at Jenny M. Kaplan. Is that the same on Instagram?
1: on instagram is at jcap 312 and also i'll just say you can follow wonder media network to find out about all of our shows at wmn.media on instagram and at wmnmedia on twitter
0: all right yeah probably we should have mentioned that before my bad uh <laughs> ravi is at ravi gupta on twitter and instagram i'm at jason candor on everything but tiktok look folks there's 27 days to go remember we all have a platform make sure to use yours
2: today Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and Edie Allard. Theme music provided by Kemet Coleman. Special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Lucas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard Professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.